last class we were studying the portion where we find that srima that m and narendra is having some conversation where narendra was speaking about the waywardness of the young ones of his times and it was something like gossip when sri ramakrishna came to know that what they were talking about so he became very grave and he said to aim rather seriously that this kind of conversation is not good it isn't desirable to indulge in any talk but talk of god you are their senior and you are intelligent you should not have encouraged them to talk about such matters as we were discussing that even in the yoga sutra in patanjali yoga sutra they there is this sutra which is termed as brahma vihara that for preparation in our meditative life as a preparatory measure for our contemplative life certain attitudes has to be practiced in the various circumstances of our life so what are those four attitudes which we have to practice maitri karuna mudita upeksha so these are the four attitudes maitri friendliness karuna compassion mudita is gratitude respect and upeksha indifference so these are the four attitudes we have to practice in four different situations in life what are the four situations sukha dukha punya apunya whenever i see happiness of others maybe it's my own or maybe it's my enemy even it may be my enemy i should not have any sense of rancor or jealousy i should have a sense of happiness seeing others happy that way we won't be disturbing our own mind that for meditation the preparations are required if we are not very aware very cautious about the attitudes which we develop during these various situations of life know it for certain that the mind is going 
to be full of negative tendencies and that will enter in a disturbed mind which in no way is conducive to meditation. So whoever it may be, when I see happiness, I should try to develop a sense of happiness within me. Whenever I see this dukkha, sorrow, dejection in others, whoever it may be, I should always develop a sense of compassion. I shouldn't feel a type of cruel happiness. If I see sometimes a one whom I don't like, when I find that he is suffering, we find that a type of cruel happiness develops. The tit for tat, he deserves it. So that again is a negative uh, attitude, a negative trait of mind, which again doesn't speak of the calmness of the mind. It will disturb the mind. So for dukkha, whoever it may be, we should practice karuna, compassion. For punya, wherever I see holiness, greatness, I should relate with respect, gratitude, not with a sense of suspicion that there must be some fault there, there must be some hypocrisy there. And that way I will be polluting my mind by unnecessarily suspecting others' holiness. Whenever I see holiness, I should relate to the other's holiness with respect. Because it's not that the, what the other person is that matters. What's my attitude that matters? By seeing the holiness in others, when I feel a sense of purity, a sense of upliftment, that speaks of culturing some good sanskar, good habits. Whatever may be the other person, whether he's really holy or not, we need not bother about it. The moment we bow down in respect, immediately we are culturing a sense of holiness within us. So that's why whenever you see mudita, greatness, holiness, always relate to it through respect. And apunya, whenever you see something which is very degrading, base, sensual or something which is not recommended as a good moral conduct. So for such thing, we should have developed a sense of upeksha, not hatred. Hatred is a negative trait. Upeksha is indifference, as if I have not seen it, as if I have not understood it. Just as Swami Vivekananda used to say that when you uh, when a child is just crawling and there is a lump of gold nearby, if a thief comes and steals it, the small infant won't know that it has been stolen because there is no thief in his mind. He is yet to develop that what theft is. So as thief is not in his mind or her mind, he can never relate to that occurrence as something unholy. The child is indifferent to it. So whenever we relate to the unholiness, since this sinful tendencies in the world, it speaks that my mind is already having an idea of all those things. It's already tarnished by the ideas of all those things. That's why I can relate it. 
So I should practice indifference. So here we find that young Narendranath was actually criticizing the waywardness of the young generation, the way they were getting spoiled. So those discussions actually pollutes our own mind. So for Apunya, the Upeksha has to be practiced. And that's why we find Ramakrishna, how like a mother is guard, guarding the disciples so that they may not trade on some wrong path. Immediately, he cautions them that this kind of conversation is not good. It isn't desirable to indulge in any talk, but talk of God. You are their senior and you are intelligent. You should not have encouraged them to talk about such matters. Narendra was then about 19 years old and M about 28. Thus admonished, M felt embarrassed and the others also fell silent. While the devotees were enjoying their meal, Sri Ramakrishna stood by and watched them with intense delight. That night, the master's joy was very great. Seeing the devotees, the master's joy was very great. After supper, the devotees rested on the mat, spread on the floor of the master's room. They began to talk with him. It was indeed a mart of joy. There's a very nice sloka which speaks of that uh, God's residence, where God stays. That as if God is saying, Name Tishthami Vaikunthe Yoginam Ridae Nacha Yatra Mat Bhakta Gayanti Tatra Tishthami Naradaha. That to stress that is to give importance, to show the significance of this divine gathering, of the spiritual gathering. How nicely it is God is speaking to Narada. What he's saying that I don't stay, I don't reside in Vaikuntha. Name Tishthami Vaikunthe. Yoginam Ridayanacha, not even in the yogi's heart. Yatra Mat Bhaktya Gayanti. Wherever the devotees, they congregate and they chant my holy name, where they discuss about the, the divine Leela, the spiritual uh, the endeavor of the great souls, where these discussions, the spiritual discussions are going on, singing, chanting is going on, know it for certain, I reside there. And that's what we find here, that it is indeed a mart of joy. So many devotees in presence of Ramakrishna, constant discussion on the divine topic is going on. And what can what else can be more blissful than that? As Sri Ramakrishna is to joke that as in those days the Purda system was there, this the ladies generally never came out in the presence of others. So Holy Mother used to stay in the Nahabat. And just to uh, give them privacy, there was some, uh, these blinds were there. 
the blinds were such that through the blinds the, from within the Nahabat, where Holy Mother is to stay, she can see what's going on in Sri Ramakrishna's room, but others cannot see their mother. So to see what's going on in master's room, Holy Mother created a small hole in the, the blind so that through that she can peep into the master's room to see what's the mart of joy that's going on there. What's the, this uh, tremendous ecstatic happiness that devotees are having in the presence of Ramakrishna. To see that, to witness that, there was a small hole. And Ramakrishna noticed that. And that hole was becoming bigger. And that's why Ramakrishna one day to his nephew, he called and said, Ramlal. So she, as, as the as Holy Mother and the niece of Ramakrishna, Lakshmi, they used to stay in Nahabat. So see, he started jokingly, jokingly saying that, just see that the hole of the blind is becoming bigger and bigger. So Ramakrishna understood that, that they also are totally, uh, what you say, in that engrossed in what's going on there. That's why Holy Mother used to say that in those days, when, he was, when I was in Dakshineshwar, if you, those who have visited Dakshineshwar, the room in which Holy Mother used to stay was so small. The door, for just entering the door, the door was so low that you have to bend and then enter and it's a small room. But later, Holy Mother used to reminiscence that then in those days at Dakshineshwar, I always felt that as if a picture of happiness has been installed in my heart. So that's the thing where God resides, God where God resides, where the devotees are having congregation. And that's what aim is uh, relating, that it was indeed a mart of joy. The master asked Narendra to sing the song beginning with the line in wisdom's firmament. In wisdom's firmament, the moon of love is rising full. Narendra sang and other devotees played the drums and cymbals. Sri Ramakrishna sang and danced and the devotees danced around him. When the song was over, the master walked up and down the northeast veranda where Hajra was seated with him. The master sat down there. He asked a devotee, do you ever have dreams? Now, here we will find a very interesting dream is being related. And Sri Ramakrishna gets very much inspired by hearing that about dream. You can get excited because the dream has some spiritual intonation. And Sri Ramakrishna used to say that dreams may be meaningless. But if you have any dream which has spiritual intonation, know it for certain. It is true. It does have something to play a role in your spiritual destiny. And that's what we will find that this dream, which that devotee is going to narrate, do have some spiritual intonations. And Ramakrishna will be immediately highly excited and it will instruct the devotee to not think that dream to be something ordinary 
and act accordingly because it do have some high spiritual significance. So let's see that what's the dream he's reading about. Devotee, yes, sir. And just see, Sri Ramakrishna knew that he had dreams. We never ask anyone that do you ever have dreams suddenly and as if Ramakrishna could read his mind immediately the devotees that there are so many devotees he's never asking anyone. The one whom is asking immediately we will find what a wonderful dream he's reading. It speaks as if Ramakrishna scans the minds, mind of other people, can scan the mind of other people and know what's going on there. Yes, sir. The other day I dreamt a strange dream. I saw the whole world enveloped in water. There was water on all sides. A few boats were visible, but suddenly huge waves appeared and sank them. I was about to board a ship with a few others when we saw a Brahmin walking over that expanse of water. I asked him, how can you walk over the, over the deep waters? The Brahmin said with a smile, oh, there is no difficulty about that. There is a bridge under the water. I said to him, where are you going? To Bhavanipur. Bhavanipur means the city of Bhavani. Bhavani is one of the name of the Divine Mother. To Bhavanipur, the city of Divine Mother. He replied, wait a little. I cried, I shall accompany you. So this dream do have a spiritual intonation. What's that? This entire world is drowned in worldliness. And you see where that we sometimes see that all this, we all are as if submerged in worldliness. But now and then suddenly, if we have, do have a good fortune, we may meet someone who appears to be as if not drowned. He's as if walking through that. Walking over this ocean of worldliness. And naturally you become curious. You ask that how is it possible that you don't get drowned in it? No, there is a bridge under, under that water over which he is walking. What is that bridge? That is a bridge to immortality. The scriptures, the words of the holy people. These are the bridge on which this Brahmin is working. The Brahmin means Brahmacharatiya, sir, Brahmachari. The one who is always thinking of Brahman. He's a real Brahmin. It's not just one who by birth is a Brahmin. The one who is always contemplating on Brahman is the real Brahmin. So this Brahmin was walking over the water. It means there was a bridge beneath, the bridge of immortality with the Vedas, the Upanishads, that the knowledge which we get from there, the Brahma Vidya, that speaks of the bridge of immortality. He's working over that. And naturally, no one wants to get drowned. This man wants, I want to follow you. Where are you going? And he answered to Bhavanipur. So this bridge will take me to that ultimate, that divine illumination, my ultimate association with the divine, with the divine mother. So that's why to Bhavanipur, and I got told, wait a little, I cried, I shall accompany you. Now, the one who is already on the bridge, he's eager, he's having that tremendous yearning. So he cannot wait. He just told you, follow this path. The path on which I am treading 
you are yet to develop that renunciation so it may take some time for you but just don't forget the path which i am following follow this i cannot wait for you so this is the story which came in the form of a dream so it is this dream is full of suggestions so hearing that immediately the master says oh i am thrilled to hear the story devotee the brahmin said i am in a hurry it will take you some time to get out of the boat goodbye remember this path and come after me master oh my hair is standing on end please be initiated by a guru as soon as possible as we were indicating that that the dreams sometimes we may think that they have no meaning but sri ramakrishna used to give a lot of importance to any dream which have spiritual intonation and that's why he told just don't take it to be a just a flimsy dream know it for certain it do has to play a great role in your spiritual journey act accordingly as you have been asked to follow that path go getting we be initiated by a guru and start your spiritual journey as soon as possible shortly before midnight narendra and other devotees lay down on a bed made on the floor of the master's room at dawn some of the devotees were up they saw the master naked as a child pacing up and down the room repeating the names of the various gods and goddesses his voice his voice was sweet as nectar now he would look at the ganges now stop in front of the pictures hanging on the wall and bow down before them chanting all the while the holy names in his sweet voice he chanted veda purana tantra geeta gayatri bhagavat bhakta bhagavan so these are all that the story which he heard the bridge which is underneath the water this is the bridge veda purana tantra geeta gayatri bhagavat bhakta bhagavan referring to the geeta he repeated many times tagi 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 so very interesting if you go on repeating the word geeta geeta without any interruption it will it will be audible as tagi 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 geeta 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 it becomes tagi 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 so tagi means one who has renounced tagi is tyagi so uh, as per the derivative the tagi and tyagi has the verbs the derivative from tag dhatu this both has almost all the same uh, same meaning so tagi means the one who has renounced so the entire message of gita is renounce this world and hold on to the divine so renunciation is the import of the sacred book that if you study the gita at last you will find its message is that renunciation so now and then he would say oh mother thou art verily brahman and thou art verily shakti thou art purusha and thou art prakriti thou art virat thou art the absolute and thou dost manifest thyself as the relative so after saying that this gita speaks of tyag 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 tyagi 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 so what that tyag means it's not running away from the world seeing the 
divine in the world. So I see the world not as world. I see the world as the expression of Brahman's Shakti. So the entire world gets defied. It no more remains the ordinary world. That's why in the Vedic tradition, we find that everything is worshipped. The stone is worshipped. The Ganges water is treated as divine. We take a dip in the river, thinking as if we are doing a holy act because water is Brahman. The, all the Shivalinga, the stones are Brahman. The trees are Brahman. Everything is Brahman. So that way, that's the way of deification. That don't see the world as the world. See the world as the Lord and Lord alone. So when Swami Turiyananda, who used to, he was a very staunch Vedantin. Throughout his life, he used to do that discrimination. Brahma Satya, Jagat Mithya. And when he was in his deathbed, the last words which were heard from him, from him was Brahma Satya, Jagat Satya. Throughout the life he was saying Brahma Satya, Jagat Mithya. Now what he is saying in his deathbed, Brahma Satya, Jagat Satya, 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 Pratishthita. That, this truth, this world which, which I am saying as truth, is not truth by itself. Its truth, its reality is established. Satya, Satya Pratishthita. Its, its reality is established in that reality. That is being projected as this reality. So when I see the world as Brahman, that's the way I can renounce. Otherwise, where shall, where will I run? Wherever I may run, it is this world and world alone. You cannot run away. You cannot jump out of yourself. So it is just by defying that that tyaga is possible. So after saying tyagi, 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 immediately saying, Oh mother, thou art verily Brahman, that absolute, you are the absolute. And again, you are the expression in the form of Shakti, the, in the form of the entire creation. That's thou art verily Shakti. Thou art Purusha, thou art Prakriti. Thou art Virat. So what we see as this world, it is you and you alone. Thou art the absolute. Thou dost manifest thyself as the relative. So relating to the world as the absolute. That's the way of real Tyaga. So just see, after saying Tyaga, we may have that misconception just to run away. It's not running away. It's just to defy. That's the way. Otherwise, those who are having the responsibilities of the Sangsara, family life, how can they practice spirituality? They cannot simply just forsake their responsibilities and say that I am going. But at the, at the same time, is there no way out? There is a way out. The tyaga is possible not only for sannyasis, even for householders. How is it possible? By seeing the divine in everything and relating to each and every person, one's own wife, one's own children, one's own relative, one's friend, not as the wife, children, relative, friend, but as the divine. The, in essence, it is the divine who is finding expression as these various physical forms. When we can relate that way, our entire life becomes a worship. 
that there is no need to have your spiritual practices limited only for some few hours. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, that for us, spirituality is just before the breakfast. In the morning, we take our we go, we just take our bath. After the shower, we have a particular set of cloths we wear and go to the corner of our house where is a small shrine. And for some time, we may be meditating, showing the incense, may offer something, may offer flowers. And I do feel uplifted. It's just for half an hour or at the most one hour. And then I come out of that shrine, change my dress. Now I have to go to my workplace. Before that, I have to have my breakfast. The moment I change my dress, sit for my breakfast in the dining table, I'm a totally different person. Now I'm a worldly person. I have to deal with the worldly affairs. Till now, it was a spiritual affair. As if there is a watertight compartment between our worldly affairs and our spiritual practices. That has to be dissolved. Spirituality cannot be a part-time affair. It has to be a 24 by 7 affair. It's a whole time affair. No one can be a part-time spiritual. It has to be a whole time affair. If we really want to have the benefit of our spiritual endeavor. And that's possible only by seeing the divine in everything. Then the entire life becomes worship. Then if when we become an adept in it, then there is no work and worship. Then work is worship. The work itself becomes worship. For us as a pravartaka, as a novice, our spiritual life is uh, speaks of work and worship. That these are my working hours, this is how I worship. But when I gradually become an adept in my spiritual life, work is worship. The work becomes worship. Each and every work, by changing my orientation, becomes the worship. And that's the real tiaga. I'm not enjoying the world in the, of the name and form. I'm seeing the divine and I'm worshipping. So that's the idea. Just see, these words are so simple, but it speaks of the sublime philosophy, which the Vedas uh, signify. In the meantime, the morning service had begun and the temples of Kali and Radha Kanta. Sorry, in the meantime, the morning service had begun in the temples of Kali and Radha Kanta. Sounds of conch shells and symbols were carried on the air. The devotees came outside the room and saw the priests and servants gathering flowers in the garden for the divine service in the temples. From the Nahabat floated the sweet melody of musical instruments befitting the morning hours. So befitting the morning hours. As you may know that Indian ragas are all sequenced as per the part of the day. The particular raga has to be sang in the morning, some in the afternoon, some in the evening, some in late night. So that's why he's indicating that musical instruments befitting the morning hours that was being played in the Nahabat. Narendra and the other devotees finished their morning duties and came to the master. With a sweet smile on his lips, Sri Ramakrishna was standing on the northeast veranda close to his own room. Narendra, we noticed several sannyasis belonging to the sect of Nanak in the Panchavati. Master, yes, they arrived here yesterday. 
to Narendra, I would like to see you all sitting together on the mat. As they sat there, the master looked at them with evident delight. He then began to talk with them, just the way the mother feels delighted when she looks at her child. Similarly, this it was a, the spiritual father's parental love for the devotees. Just seeing them, he was evidently delighted. He then began to talk with them. Narendra asked about spiritual discipline. Master, bhakti, love of God is the essence of all spiritual discipline. Through love, one acquires renunciation and discrimination naturally. So the moment Narendra asked about spiritual discipline, the spiritual discipline, there's just few moments back, he was speaking of Tyaga. What real Tyaga is, that also he spoke of. How it has to be practiced. Not by forcefully renouncing anything. Just see how these words are all related. Bhakti. See the divine everywhere and develop a love for God. The more you develop that love for the divine, the more the worldly attachments will automatically fall off. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, that more you proceed towards the East, the West falls behind. You cannot push the West. If you have to go away from the West, move towards the East. So that's what Sri Ramakrishna is saying. Bhakti, love of God, is the essence of all spiritual discipline. Through love, one acquires renunciation and discrimination naturally. Narendra, isn't it true that the Tantra prescribes spiritual discipline in the company of woman? Now, Master, that is not desirable. He's not saying that, it, he's not denying, but what he's saying, it is not desirable. It is a very difficult path and often causes the aspirant's downfall. There are three such kinds of discipline. One may regard woman as one's mistress or look on oneself as her handmaid or as her child. I look on woman as my mother. To look on oneself <clears throat> as a handmaid is also good, but it is extremely difficult to practice spiritual discipline looking on woman as one's mistress. To regard oneself as her child is a very pure attitude. So here we find that this, we spoke, uh, we discussed this in some different context, that in Tantra, it is prescribed that that one can see the Divine Mother even in one's wife. And you may say that, uh, that what, uh, what spiritual intonations it have? Well, in our scripture, there is a very, uh, for all the ritualistic worship, the basic concept behind all the ritualistic worship in Hinduism, whether it is Vaishnava or Shakta, the basic concept is Atmavat Deva Sevanam. Atmavat, that in no other religion you will find that you offer the food to the divine and have it as a consecrated food. The concept of prasada is not there. 
you offer food and you have it as a prasada you offer flowers and you keep those flowers in your in the one <clears throat> in the in between the pages in your book thinking it to be something sacred so what actually it means that i, I real idea is atmavat deva sevanam that whatever you like offer it to the divine instead of having it yourself just going to grab it you grab it but not immediately first offer it to the divine and then you have it then what happens in the process you are enjoying the thing still because you have not yet developed that renunciation you're enjoying but in the process of enjoying enjoyment a bhakti has entered how the bhakti has entered that this is a consecrated food the thing which i like the delicacy which i like i purchased i offered to the divine after that i am tasting but while i am really relishing it a thought of sacredness is there that it is a consecrated food so that way whatever we like sometimes it is very difficult to renounce if you have a very strong inordinate attachment so that's why in the all the paths whether it is vaishnava shakta we will find this idea is prevalent and it came from the tantras this is of course a great contribution of the tantras that through enjoyment gradually you can go to the renunciation but at the same time this type of practices are not it doesn't mean license for all to indulge in the so called worldly ways of life it actually speaks of helping those who are extremely attached instead of saying there is no way out for you they are saying yes there is a way that in that this is the way they will find to god everything is uh, that they say that sometimes they say kali is tamasic why that alcohol is offered to her meat is offered to her the goat is sacrificed meat is offered so she is a tamasic goddess but we forget one thing that yes apparently it appears she is tamasic but just think a small child who doesn't have a sense of hygiene in the olden days there used to be this open pit drains and sometimes the children just playfully will get down into it and the mother shouts come 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 out of it it's a very nasty it's a very dirty place you will get sick the child thinks it is a play she does he doesn't listen he just smiles and still continues to stay there and at last what the mother has to do she herself has to get down into that pit into the drain to bring the child isn't it there's no other way so the mother has to become the tamasic to pick to bring us back after all she is the mother so that's why that they, we are offering alcohol meat to the mother because there are some children who are extremely attached instead of saying there is no way out you stay in the pit mother comes down say okay you offered those things to me and in the process we develop devotion oh it's a prasad it's a consecrated thing so that way all our sensuous enjoyments what to speak of food any sensuous enjoyments 
any type of food, alcohol, sensuous enjoyment, if we do with a sense of consecration, gradually it brings the devotion in our life. Not only that, we develop a sense of respect. The relations become the, that each and every one starts respecting others because they acknowledge the divinity as the core of the each and every being. So these practices do have significance. But at the same time, one who has already developed dispassion is not having that tremendous craving. Why should he resort to those type of practices? There's no need for them. So Narendra is the one who is already highly evolved. Seeing him, Ramakrishna have already understood that he's highly evolved. When, very interesting, when Swami Vivekananda came back from the West, he saw one of his brother disciple was practicing Tantra. Just here in this context, I will just say, and Swamiji was horrified. He told him, what are you doing? The master always used to be so much uh, critical about it, not to practice. And this brother disciple silently told, master have asked me. So just see, it depends on person to person. It's not for Naren. Maybe it was for someone else that was the path. So this, that's, so here when I am just reading the gospel, so it's just his conversation with the Narendranath we are seeing here. But what conversation he had with others, we don't know. So it is not desirable. It's very difficult to Narendra he speaks saying. Often causes downfall. Those who are already inordinately attached. We know that however they may try to have Atmavad Deva Sevanam. Just to say that how easily our rituals become meaningless ritual. Yet sometimes when we do uh, have some worship and do offer the food, but most of the people have nothing to do with that offering. They're just waiting that when the puja will be over and we will just devolve. There is no sense of devotion. The ritual becomes meaningless. It's just something has to be done. It's just a social norm. But in no way it relates to our spiritual journey. It has just become a meaningless ritual because we don't uh, try to be aware of the significance of all those things. So then what happens? That in spite of all our worship, we are still going down and down getting more and more attached to the worldly way of life. So they, that's why he's saying this path is very difficult. It's, it's so happened that, that even though you're offering this, all these things may become meaningless and you may just uh, be, may become, what you say that, uh, as you will find that, that uh, bully, that goat sacrifice is prescribed only on certain days. But when we forget that on Saturday on, on Saturday and on Tuesday and on Amavasya, but when we forget the reason behind it, that it is to restrict our uh, the sensual inclinations, that those prescriptions have been done. We will find we transgress the scripture. Anytime we want to have meat, we just do some meaningless offering any day it may be, and just 
because you will find even in the Indian in India the traditional butcher shops they have a photo of Kali every day they are selling meat that people have a somehow developed that idea that it should be offered to the divine so the Kali's picture is there any day they are just uh, uh, what is it, selling the meat just the picture is there just to give the satisfaction of it has been offered so this that's why this this inordinate attachment we make all the rituals as something meaningless and that will enter in our downfall so it's not a very easy path and those who have already developed detachment why should they go that way there is no need so there are that's why he's saying that this is a, this it always it causes the aspirants downfall sri ramakrishna in some other context have said that such path is like entering a house through the scavenger's door meant for collecting night soil in the olden days you know the zamindar's house the landlord's house have many entrance one entrance is meant for the ladies to enter because in the as we were mentioning in the olden days the purda system were there they won't come through the main gate because all people are there there's all sorts of people are there they don't want to be visible so for them some different entrance is there for the what you say this uh, for the the local uh, the the villagers when they come to the zamindar for uh, paying tax or other this for official duty some other entrance is there uh, to meet his own friends or guests some other gate is there through which they come to the living room so there are three four gates and one gate is there which is which no one uses it's called the dirty gate the gate through which uh, in those days you know every day the night soil has to be collected the sanitary system or the was not the sanitation was not as uh what you say this uh, proper as uh, in the present day the sanitary it was not as sophisticated as in the present day so every day the night soil has to be cleaned and for that the scavenger is to come into the house to collect those night soil so that door was considered as a dirty door so sri ramakrishna used to say that tantra is also a way to enter the house but it is the scavenger's door how nicely is saying so why if you are already clean why should you go through that scavenger's door so it is not desirable for him that's what he is indicating the sanyasis belonging to the sect of nanak entered the room and greeted the master saying namo narayana salutations to god this is the way sadhus greet one another it's a very interesting story namo narayana this uh, you know this uh, when the sadhus meet each other they say namo narayana from where this greeting came you know very interesting story the propounder of vishishta advaita right? it is a, it has it is this the story is linked with the life of the acharya ramanujacharya sri ramanujacharya that it speaks of his this tremendous this large heart his love for all that he went to his guru to be initiated and the guru gave him a mantra this is the mantra namo narayana and told that chant it but never never say to others that what this mantra that, that what the mantra which i have given you keep it secret and sacred 
And he asked why? Why should we keep secret? He told, if you say it to others, that other the person who hears it, he will immediately get mukti at the cost of yours. You will go to hell. Hearing this, Ramanujacharya immediately went to the top of the temple and he called everyone citing, shouting, Namo Narayana. The Guru was horrified. Just, just now I told that not to divulge and he just is calling everyone is divulging the mantra. So he asked, what are you doing? He told, see, just by repeating these mantras, so many people get mukti. I am ready to go to the hell if that entails the mukti of so many people. Just see the large heartedness. And that's how the Namo Narayana mantra became a very, uh, is a common way of addressing each other in, in, in the sannyasi sect. So this is the thing with which the sannyasis belonging to the sect of Narayana entered the room and greeted the master saying Namo Narayana. Sri Ramakrishna asks them to sit down. Master, nothing is impossible for God. Nobody can describe his nature in words. Everything is possible for him. There lived at a certain place two yogis who were practicing spiritual discipline. The sage Narada was passing that way one day. Realizing who he was, one of the yogis said, you have just come from God himself. What is he doing now? Narada replied, why? I saw him making camels and elephants pass and repass through the eye of a needle. At this, the yogi said, is that anything to wonder at? Everything is possible for God. But the other yogi said, what? Making elephants pass through the eye of a needle? Is that ever possible? You have never been to the Lord's dwelling place. So here, Master is saying this story by saying, nothing is impossible for God. So this, in this context, uh, this, con uh, this story, uh, this uh, Ramakrishna's conversation, Sri Ramakrishna's conversation uh, uh, reminds me of a wonderful story in the light, wonderful incidents in the life of Latu Maharaj, which explains that how God can pass camels, elephants and camels through the eye of a needle. This Latu Maharaj, this young boy who was a servant of Rama, this, another Bhakta Ram Babu, and got attracted to the master, Sri Ramakrishna. And he insisted that he wants to serve him. And that's how he starts staying with Ramakrishna to serve him. This young boy, simple, it was illiterate, but very simple and pure hearted. And now as he is uh, illiterate, the way Sri Ramakrishna has instructed him is something wonderful. Narendranath used to say that if you want to see the miracle of Ramakrishna, see the life of Latu. Swami Adbhutananda. Such a wonderful life. He never uh, had the support of these books and scriptures. That Ramakrishna transformed him in such a way. There was no need for any support system. He used to just remain deeply immersed in divine contemplation. His life was totally transformed, much later that we find. But when he as a young boy, he used to serve master. One day in the evening, Sri Ramakrishna was lying on his bed and 
he asked Latu to massage his feet. So Latu was massaging Ramakrishna's feet. And then suddenly Ramakrishna asked Latu. He used to call Latu as Leto. Leto, do you know, uh, do you know what God is doing now? And Latu Maharaj in his uh, half Hindi, half Bengali mixed language, he told, Ami ki jane. What do I know? What God is doing? And then Ramakrishna replied the same thing, that he is now passing elephants and camels through the eye of the needle. And this is the incidence which Latu Maharaj used to relate much, much later when he was uh, much elderly, Ramakrishna has passed away. All used to revere Latu Maharaj. When the devotees used to gather around him, Latu Maharaj will relate this incident and his tears used to roll down his eyes. And then he used to say the significance of the story. Do you know what Ramakrishna meant that by, by saying that God is passing the elephants and camels through the eye of the needle? And then he himself answered, just an ordinary person like me, totally illiterate. Have a, I had a very I'm a small, I am a very small receptacle. When I was massaging his feet, unknowingly, it was not even known to me. He was passing through me. He was transporting into me all the spiritual bhavas, the treasures, the spiritual treasures, the huge spiritual treasures. He was just, it was all seeping into me unknowingly. That's what the elephants, the camels were passing through the eye of the needle. That's what he meant. He used to say this and he used to cry. Just see how these stories are so significant. And that's what Sri Ramakrishna is saying here. So nothing is impossible for God. So one yogi told it, they understood that he knew that anything is possible for God. So he had that faith. He told, yes, is, is, is anything to wonder at? Is that anything to wonder at? Everything is possible for God. But the one who had no faith, he took the word literally. And what he said, making elephants pass through the eye of a needle. Is that ever possible? You have never been to the Lord's dwelling place. When Narendra and his friends had finished bathing in the Ganges, the master said to them earnestly, go to the Panchavati and meditate there under the banyan tree. Shall I give you something to sit on? So this is also very interesting. Ramakrishna got his spiritual illumination sitting under the Panchavati. What intense spiritual practices he did there. So that place is full of spiritual vibration. Anyone who is in the vicinity of the Panchavati is bound to get imbibed by that, by that vibration. That's the importance of the holy place. Tirthi Kurvanti Sadhava. In our, in our scriptures it is mentioned that a holy place is made holy by the spiritual practitioners. They go there, they practice religion, they think good thoughts, and those vibrations fill that place. That's why when we go to the shrine, immediately any temple, we find immediately our mind changes. Though most probably we were not in a very spiritual mood, suddenly we find our there is a change in our mind because that place is full of good vibration. The vibrations do affect our mind. Wherever there's a good vibration, it affects us in a positive way. Wherever there's a sorrow, misery, like even if you visit some 
So the, this was the place for this is a funeral. However beautiful that place may be, with gardens and everything, you're bound to feel a type of melancholy. You never feel very happy there, that as if you're walking in the gardens and all. The vibrations, because all who goes there, go, goes with a sense of that dejection, losing someone, near and dear one, full of sadness. And that's the vibration there. Immediately we get affected. So the vibrations do affect us. And the Panchavati, that's why he's saying, go there and do so, that sit for meditation. Because he knows very well that what all spiritual practices he has went to went through, what all realizations he has went through, just sitting under the Panchavati, that place is full of vibrations. And that way the devotees can be benefited just by be, being in the vicinity of it. And that's why he's saying that go and meditate under the banyan tree in the Panchavati. So that's how we find the discussions are going on. We will continue with Sri Ramakrishna's uh, so this, uh, discussions with his devotees again in the next class. With this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.